You may or may not be surprised to hear this, but when I was a teenager, I did a stupid thing. Well, not really. It was a good thing, a wonderful thing. I fell in love. We say that, falling in love. Um, I'm not sure it was true love as we and I have come to understand love, but something changed within me and uh, new desires. And I started to give myself to different things. For one thing, kind of spent a lot of time on the telephone. Um, Carol, the girl with whom I fell in love as a 16-year-old, um, lived about five miles from me. And so the telephone, remember those good old landlines when you'd be on the phone for ages and ages, at least your family would tell you, and then neither one of you would want to hang up. Not always speaking, but just waiting. Those five miles I actually walked one time, just so that we could be together. That was out of character, let me tell you. I started doing things that um, I felt were important to her and she might have wanted me to do. So not just because I wanted to do them. We became known as an item. Um, somehow we changed as we started to go out and date and were known as such. And then I did something even crazier still, some would say. At the age of 20, the tender age, in fact I'd uh, recently moved to London and the people I worked with there couldn't believe that I would be doing something at 20 years old. But I got married. And in the context or in the process of doing that, I committed my life to this woman. I yielded control. I chose and declared that I would love and cherish her, even comfort her in the words of the marriage service. Of course, it's one thing to make commitments in the context of a church gathering. It's another one to, to live that out day to day. Of course, as we started to live in community under the same house, things began to emerge from within me. Some were good and not some were not so good, perhaps even unpleasant. And I discovered that even as a fairly young man, certain traditions or conventions had got themselves established within me, and they were beginning to work against a sense of feel-good in the relationship. I don't know if any of you have ever experienced that reality. This morning I'm talking about transformed priorities as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Those little words that Jesus extends to us in when he says, follow me. It starts with believing in him, believing in who he is, trusting that his work for us upon the cross was sufficient to deal with our sin and to reconcile us to God. But then those two little words, follow me. Live like me. Obey my commandments. Those are two words that are more radical than we can dare imagine. These words from John Stott, a well-known Anglican clergyman. He said, to me, the essence of being a radical is being willing to subject one's inherited traditions and conventions to biblical scrutiny. A lot of our personal security is found in our convictions. We develop a personal stance and find our security in it. And then when anybody disagrees, we feel threatened. Jesus 
caused people to feel threatened. He challenged the preconceived traditions and convictions of the day very powerfully. He challenged the value of children in society, the place of women, lepers, prostitutes, tax collectors, external rules. In fact, in our reading from the prophet Isaiah, these challenging words from the Lord who says, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based entirely on merely human rules that they have been taught. They were going through the motions. They were doing what the word called them to do, but their hearts were not in it. And Jesus' teaching offended people. Somebody once said, God often offends the mind to reveal the heart. And the consequence was that people grumbled. God's people, it seems, have always grumbled. From the time that they were uh, rescued out of captivity in Egypt as they journeyed through the wilderness, but even in the promised land and even today, we can easily grumble. I wonder if you've ever had a follow me moment, an encounter with Jesus when God seems to have spoken to you so clearly and it challenged the patterns you were used to in your life. I remember very early actually um, in the church where I was first converted and for some reason I found myself outside of the worship um, area in, in the sort of lobby area and my eyes were drawn to a book and as I was reading that the Lord challenged me about the place of money, and particularly with tithing. It was a moment when, it was one of those follow me moments, when my heart was increasingly being won by the Lord, and I realized that some of my behavior was not in alignment with his will. And there was a choice. Would I choose to follow or continue doing what I wanted to do? Because people always do what they want to do. Even Christ followers do that, which is why God wants to change our hearts such that we want to do these things. And when we do, these are good and these are life-giving to us. Another thing I was challenged with actually quite recently, as actually we were exploring with some couples about the, both the reality that men are, or human beings are both fallen in terms of we're, we're kind of broken, we tend to do sinful things, but we're also alone. The consequence of that sin very often is that we get isolated and alone and that not, is not good for us. And the Lord was challenging us to focus in the other person on their aloneness, but on our own brokenness. It's so easy for me to see and understand what's broken in you and what needs to change, but that's not my job, that's the Holy Spirit's. And I was reminded my responsibility is to come alongside, is to remove aloneness and encourage you such that you would want to change. That has a very different energy to it. Now remember last week I talked about uh, this, this process of revelation and response. The process of growth as a Christian is as God gives revelation, I have a choice in which to respond. And that process starts with, first and foremost, the pursuit of hearing him. It's the main thing I want to explore today. And next week, probably we will conclude with the second half of this. The pursuit of hearing him. If I'm going to follow him, then I need to know his word and his will for my life. How do we do that? 
Well, first and foremost is that we become, we nourish ourselves upon the scriptures, the word of God. We read, study, and digest, and apply the scriptures to our lives. We might even teach others about the scriptures. Just this last week, we were exploring in our study this invitation um, that actually the right the Hebrews gives to those young, youngish believers to say, you should all be teachers by now. In other words, this living word in you should be coming out as you seek to encourage and build up others in the faith. Jesus himself said, and quoting Deuteronomy, he said, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. One of the things the Lord spoke to me about with regard to this was early on, again, in my Christian life, as I was beginning to read a lot and read a lot of biographies, um, I was uh, drawn to a man called Robert Murray McChain. He was a Scottish minister um, who died all too young, about the age of 29. But in that, in that very short ministry, um, he actually wrote a Bible reading plan for his congregation to encourage them to read through the scriptures. In fact, it would take you through the Old Testament uh, once and the New Testament and Psalms twice in the course of a year. And this just captured my imagination. For many years, I have followed that reading plan. And it has nourished and nurtured a, a hunger and a desire uh, for the word of God that comes through the scriptures. I remember actually re trying to read the scriptures back in those days when I'm falling in love with this girl who was a Christian. And I actually tried to read the scriptures. I wasn't a Christ follower at this stage. And it just seemed dry and dusty and indecipherable. What a change when the Spirit of God comes into our lives, this deposit of glory, and suddenly our eyes begin to be opened up, but more so our hearts too. So, uh, first and foremost, we've been nourished through the Scriptures. Learning to listen is a part of following. <laughs> Ironically, it's also a part of marriage, <laughs> which is a picture of our relationship with the Lord. Learning to listen to our spouses, and to do the things they ask us from time to time. Secondly, though, am I also being renewed by entering into God's presence and encountering Christ in worship? Again, if we think of parallels in our marriages, the notion of a date night. You know, life is a lot of business activity, particularly if children come along and responsibilities and burdens at times of working through things. We need time to simply enjoy one another. And God's invitation to us is that there will be times when we would enjoy him and his presence. Not just sing songs to him, but through the words that Brad invited us to this morning. That we would encounter him. That he's present in our, in our midst. He's, he inhabits our praises. We engage with him as the spirit in us brings forth worship and adoration to the one who is worthy. And somehow we catch a glimpse not just rationally, but spiritually. Our hearts are drawn to him. And so as we enter his gates, as the psalmist says, with thanksgiving and his courts with praise and adoration, we have an opportunity to look to him. As the writer of the Hebrew says, to fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Let me read these verses from Jesus, uh, from Simon Peter, rather, from our gospel reading. When Jesus is asking, as many are leaving him, they're choosing, although they believed in him, they did not want to follow him. The teaching was too hard. 
And uh, Jesus says to his disciples who are left, he says, are you going to leave as well? And Peter says this, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You have the words that will bring us into connection and relationship because you are life. The way, the truth, and the life. And we have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Not just in a rational sense, but our hearts have come to know. And where else would we go? One of the wonderful things about Joshua, and in our morning prayers we've just come to the end of reading about Joshua and his conquest of the land. But way, way before he took leadership of the people, still while they were in their wilderness wanderings, it, would, it was Joshua who was left in the tabernacle, in the tent of meeting with the Lord. And he loved to be in the presence of the Lord. And I, I believe firmly that many of the foundations that will be lived out in his leadership later were established during those times. There were times in my own life where worship uh, laid many profound foundations in terms of love for the Lord and a desire for him. Even when I was in seminary and Sometimes theological college can be a bit dry, but we gathered a group of like-minded, somewhat charismatic believers, and we would just meet to worship, to just be in the presence of the Lord, to soak in Him, to pray, to intercede, and to rest in Him. Are you being renewed by entering into the presence of the Lord? Thirdly, are we giving ourselves to body ministry and to fellowship with one another? We're called to both be with and do things together as the people. Fundamentally, to love one another, to strengthen one another as the Spirit reveals himself in us. As the writer of Proverbs says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We had a season in our experience in smaller communities, in home churches, simple churches, we called them where we learned about body ministry, that when you come together, as Paul says, each one of you has something to contribute because of the Spirit in us. And he is to manifest himself and to speak through us as we open not just our homes, but our hearts to one another. I think the Lord is inviting us to lean into this in this season. I was just speaking with one of those couples from many years ago, quite recently, and I was reminded that the uh, the woman in this couple uh, once said in one of our meetings, she said, it's like Thanksgiving every week. <laughs> I said, what a perfect description of what the church, the body of Christ, coming together as a people together, what ministry and fellowship in the Lord should be like. Next one is, is that a, are you experiencing stillness and solitude? Are we learning to be Sabbath people, people of rest as well as work? Do we learn how to quieten the internal voices and noise? So much external stimuli in our culture. And rest isn't just a matter of not doing things. Um, it's a withdrawal sometimes from the both the busyness of the world, but also the, the values of the world around us. To bring our thoughts into captivity to Christ and to the nature, not only of God, but of who we are in him. So that we live out of this renewed identity. In that place of stillness, we're invited to move beyond just a preoccupation with the blessings that God gives, though they are many, to a desire for intimacy with the one who blesses. Is it a habit in our lives to rest, to come away, to come away from the busyness? 
to be with the Lord and at times others. And then finally, are we also working on overcoming our spiritual deafness? If we are to pursue hearing the Lord, we've got to recognize that there are things that will get in the way of our doing that. We have to remove the hindrances to his voice and to his ways. As the writer of Hebrews says, the sin that so easily entangles. James says, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you. Peter, the other apostle says, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind. As I've sought to grow as a Christian from the, those earliest days. In fact, as I've sought to grow as a husband, as a father, I've had to put away childish things, selfish ways. Uh, you can't give yourself in relationship, in marriage, and still continue to be self-reliant, living for yourself, living as an individual, a single person, because now we have a new identity. I had to learn to grow out of self-reliance and learn to depend upon and look to and receive from and give to my wife, but also, also my Lord. I had to work through unresolved pain and anger. And I see this often in men uh, wrestling with anger, wrestling with understanding why it's so quickly provoked. And very often it's because we haven't done some of the deeper work of getting in touch with the pain of our story and allowing the Lord and other people to touch those areas, to heal and to free us. Part of my encouragement for us to enter into these bands, these smaller communities, two and three and four, where we can be more deeply known, where we can freely and courageously talk about our pain and our struggles and our sins and not be put down, but built up, be affirmed, be prayed for and be healed. Just be quiet before the Lord. Not only do we invite you to experience Christ, but also to experience his word, which is light to us. And the psalmist says these words, Search me, O God, know my heart, test me, and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. It's in the quietness, be still before the Lord, the Holy One, the Holy Spirit who is here with us. To be still, to listen, to yield our wills, to yield our whole beings before him. Perhaps to pray that there may be parts of our lives, patterns we have got used to, convictions we have held, but the Lord is actually inviting us to put away, to lay aside and to take hold of new truths and new ways. Perhaps new rhythms in our lives to reinforce these truths. To keep us focused on this profound invitation of the Lord Jesus. Not just to believe upon him, but to follow him. To the glory of his name. Amen.